0: That's V-E-R-T-E-X-US.com.
1: Welcome to the 5G Guys Podcast, the premier resource for industry insiders and newcomers alike to explore anything and everything wireless telecommunication. We discuss, explain, and explore all things wireless technology. So let's dive right in. Welcome your host, Dan McVaugh and
0: Wayne Smith. Welcome everybody back. Uh, I'm Dan McVaugh, and normally I'd be introducing my co-host Wayne Smith, but Wayne is off on some business travel uh, for this episode, and we didn't want to miss the chance to talk to our guests this this uh, episode. So uh, I'm going solo, so I'll be flying solo uh, on this episode, but I'm excited to have with us our guest Vance Hilderman today. Um, Vance is the CEO of A Fusion Incorporated, Inc., one of the world's largest aviation and safety critical services companies. They provide advanced consulting services in software and systems development with a primary focus on safety critical aviation and automotive systems. They do software, they do hardware development and certification as well. And really Vance is the, the spearhead and is often an expert witness for aviation as well, including uh, being an avionics expert witness, automotive software expert witness uh, works on software design and software code expert witness work. So we've got a, a great perspective here today from an expert. And and also, I want to point out that Vance, you've got a um, a lot of articles and um, other published writings out there, foremost of which I want to point out to our audiences. Uh, you're the principal author of a, a book. It's the best-selling book on avionics, I understand, um, called Avionics Certification, The Complete Guide to DO-178 and DO-254. And the reason I really want to point it out is I don't know what those acronyms are, but I think it's impressive that I understand you give all of the proceeds of that to charity. So congratulations on having uh, that book and even more for uh, kudos for for donating to charity with that. So um, thanks for being with us.
1: Oh, it's really a pleasure, Dan. And a good morning, good afternoon, good evening for everyone out there. I'm really looking forward to this. And we never really fly solo. Even when we're solo flying and you're a pilot, I'm a pilot, we have avionics instruments. So there are guardian angels, right? So we won't quite be flying solo, but we're going to talk about those avionics and have a little fun with it. They're pretty powerful.
0: Awesome, yeah, and and just to clarify, folks, I am not a pilot. I might be a pilot of this podcast, but I do not fly planes <laughs> for for a living or for fun. I let other people take care of that. But uh, but listen, you know, Wayne and I, our expertise lies on the wireless technology, wireless operator side of um, of things. And as those of you that may be following the news and or heard. A couple of our prior podcasts, I think it was episodes seventeen and twenty-two when and I covered this issue with five G and avionics and how there's some potential concerns about interference from five G to landing systems on planes. You know, we've offered up our perspective from our side of the equation and having you on on board for this this podcast Vance is is awesome because we get to get the perspective of someone that comes from the avionics side, the aviation technology side is an expert in safety. So when your team reached out to uh, see if uh, if we'd be interested in talking to you, we jumped at the chance. So so again, thanks for joining us. I guess first and foremost, Vance, tell me what I got wrong or may have missed in your background uh, to kind of make sure everyone understands where you're coming from. Oh,
1: you know, you, you got it mostly right, Dan. No problem there. Up. I- I hate to use the word expert because there's always someone more expert than you, and no matter what you do at some point in time. But on this topic of avionics safety software, there's a few of us, maybe about 200, 250 in the world, and we're all pretty capable. We don't know anything about sports, politics, cooking. This is why we do podcasts instead of video videocasts. You can tell how we're dressed. We clearly don't know anything about fashion, but when it comes to avionics, we're pretty comfortable at this. There's several books on the topic. I'm the author of a couple of them. There's about 35 white papers. I wrote about 25 of those. So pretty much if you're on a commercial aircraft or a lot of military aircraft, there's our company's software or mine in it somewhere on the line, but thousands of other people as well.
0: Okay, great. Well, thanks for for adding to that. I guess for our audience, before we dive into things, I want to just do a quick recap in case Uh, any listeners aren't familiar. So the FCC uh, regularly over the last 20 years has allocated new chunks of radio wave spectrum for different reasons. And specifically for cellular technology, they've allocated new bands of, of frequencies so that more technology can be developed, uh, more users can go on these um, cellular networks. And the most one of the more recent ones that they allocated was a band of frequencies in the high 3 gigahertz band called C-band, and they were reallocating this chunk of spectrum uh, and put it up for auction for cellular carriers to, to basically buy so that they could use it to deploy um, 5G. Now, it's not the only band that 5G is deployed on, but it's a big one. And Verizon AT&T in particular spent... Oh, upwards of $80 billion to get the rights to use this new C-band spectrum. And to do that, the FCC had to move some incumbents that were using that for other things um, off of it and make it available. So there was an interference. But right next door to it in the low four gigahertz band is that is used for radio altimeters, right? Vance, that's where there's a, hey. a device on a plane that does radar basically, right? <laughs>
1: That's exactly right, right around four point two to four point four. And folks, if you don't know what gigahertz means, it's it's a frequency and it's it's limited, you know. When you go to an orchestra, you're gonna hear frequencies of say 30 hertz to 15,000 hertz. You got the bass drum, you got the flute, you know. Well, when you have a bass drum, bum bum, and you have a trombone bum, at some point the frequency is very similar, you have to go. Wait, was that a bass drum or was that a trombone? Well, the same thing happens with altimeters. Was that a cell signal or is that the radio altimeter? Is there potential for misrecognition, a mistake, a interference? And that's what that's all about. The flutes don't interfere with the drum, vice versa. But yeah, that trombone and bass drum are
0: mighty close. I love it. I'm notorious yeah. for my my analogy. So you're playing right into the style of this podcast. <laughs> so, perfect. That's perfect. So yeah. Oh, so- wonderful. So what happened was the at and Verizon and a few others um, obtained the rights to to deploy five G on on this frequency band, and they were supposed to go live uh, January fifth, January fifteenth, somewhere around there this of this year. Well, in November, um, kind of at the eleventh hour, the FAA issued a what's called a special airworthiness worth, air information bulletin. It basically said, "Hey, hold on, pump the brakes, guys. We think there might be a potential for interference from 5G to these radio altimeters." And um, as as a result, AT&T and and Verizon said, "Okay, listen, you know, on December 5th, we'll we'll sort of pause. We'll give it a month to try to sort through this, and we'll delay our launch of 5G on these frequencies until January 5th, January 15th, something like that." Well, fast forward. And it still hasn't been completely resolved. I think there's been a lot of progress made. If you listen to episodes that we recorded earlier, 17 and 22, you can get a little bit more detail. But where we stand today is it's not completely resolved. There's still some, I think they made, made a lot of progress. Just a couple of weeks ago, I think the FAA came out and said, they're going to make some recommendations to certain commercial aircraft to do some updates and upgrades to their electronics and and or put some filtering in but but nonetheless i think the opportunity to to talk with you Vance really allows us to dig into what really kind of happened how did we get where we're at and where are we going and maybe do a little bit of hey how could we have done things differently even so let's great, let's talk yeah let's let's talk talk real quick about Tell me, how did you first become aware of this issue?
1: Well, it's a great question. You know, aviation is part of a ecosystem. And you've all heard the analogy, and Dan likes to use analogies. I teach about three or 4,000 aviation developers per year. That's what I'm doing right now over in Europe. In fact, we're talking remote. But there's an ecosystem of relationship between safety, hardware, software. And we've all known that avionics are potentially susceptible to EMF or RF. But on that aircraft, we have this thing called DO-160, which all avionics engineers know is a safety standard for environmental testing. So when you're told folks that that cell phone you're holding might interfere with the navigation equipment on that aircraft. And that's why you have to turn it off during takeoff and landing. Well, folks, if that were true, we'd hear about airplane crashes. Why would they let us use our cell phone in airplane mode during cruise but not takeoff and landing? Well, folks, there's no interference. The reason you can't use your cell phone is we want you to pay attention. So when Captain Sullenberger says, hey, we're get uh, ready to get wet. Prepare for water landing. Remember, U.S. Airways, Hudson River. People paid attention because they weren't on their cell phones. So we've always had this environmental testing. That's not the issue. The, the challenge is here in the U.S. when we sold the radio frequency for increased bandwidth on cell phone, we were a little aggressive. Europe is a little more conservative. We all know that in some ways. So Europe says, no, no we're just going to use up to 3.8 gigahertz. Now, remember, the drum and the trumpet don't sound similar. It's that drum and trombone. The closer we get in frequency, the more, ooh, interference. Who was that, drum or trombone? Well, the UK allocated it up to four gigahertz and the US did, oh my goodness, 4.2 gigahertz. That's the same boundary frequency as the radio altimeter, see? So yeah, we weren't quite as conservative as we could have been. There wasn't a lot of great coordination. And now we've got radio altimeters that, folks, we rely on. When you are flying what's called IFR, instrument flight rules, meaning nasty weather, it was a dark and stormy night, right? We're relying on that radio altimeter to help us find the runway, to know our altitude. Now, if you're a great military pilot, you don't need the radar altimeter. But if you're a weak pilot, otherwise known as a fully licensed pilot, just without lots of experience, you're going to rely on that radar altimeter. And so right near the airport is when you really care about it. You're coming in for a landing on a Hemingway dark and stormy night. Well, all of a sudden, if you don't know your altitude, and there is potential right at 4.2 gigahertz to have a little potential uh misdirection. Now, aviation, we to be honest, it's probably not going to interfere. The odds are very low. I would say less than one in a hundred thousand, but that's not good enough for aviation. Navigation has to be less than mathematically one times 10 to the minus seven let's see seven zeros that's oh 10 million got it 10 million fleet flight hours meaning it shouldn't happen once a year well it can with 4.2 gigahertz on the interference spectrum
0: got it thanks a lot um great explanation that really gets us up to speed with what the kind of r- the real issue is from an navy avionics standpoint so When did you first, how long ago was it that you first became aware that this was going on and maybe started looking at it?
1: It was about a year and a half ago, you know, and I, I'm not smart enough to figure this out in the beginning. I'm an engineer, not a fantastic multi-degree PhD research scientist, you know, but I think I was reading aviation, Week space technology going, no way this can't really happen. Right. Mm -hmm. Is, is the earth flat? Birds aren't real. Right. Well, is that one of those things? Urban, oh my goodness, Mm -hmm. 4.2 gigahertz? Really? What's Europe doing? Well, Europe has EASA, European Aviation Safety Agency, kind of a little brother to FAA, except little brother got big. They grew up. Guess what? They're bigger. And they're very observant. And they're going, wait a minute, we need to restrict this 5G thing in that Drum trombone range of four point two gigahertz, four point four, right? Our radar altimeters. So they did, and I was waiting for the FAA to follow suit. And oh boy, we've got some interesting politics in our country. You know, we won't go into that. Let's keep it technical. (laughs) But uh, yeah, it's a political thing. With who's in charge here, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that was it about a year and a half ago. I really, I really didn't think we'd get it this far. I thought we'd limit we'd go the Europe way, limit it to 3.8, have operational procedures, don't put the high power uh, towers near the airport, give it five miles, seven, eight kilometers, you know, but that that didn't work out that way.
0: Got it. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, I think there's a, you know, from a, a wireless perspective, there's a lot of reasons that, that that's not a great solution from a carrier's perspective, which is I e think of locations that people consumers will want to have the most Absolutely. cell phone service possible. It's sitting <laughs> at, at, the at the gateway, the for the, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, uh, so you can see that it's definitely got um, some some perspectives that are tough to to make all work together. Tell me more about so 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 we know where we're at today. What from what do you know about what's going on from the avionics standpoint, the aviation industry to uh, to look at a resolution to this.
1: Well, that's a great question. In theory, now, anytime, in English, anybody begins a sentence with, in theory, your radar Mm -hmm. detectors. Yeah, we're talking about radar altimeters, right? Your radar detector should go haywire, pop up. Wait a minute. There's some nonsense about to be spewed. In theory, we can relatively easy make a change to the avionics, radar altimeter, on the aircraft. We could add filtering. It would be a very simple thing to do. However, there's a certification process that causes companies to really try to circumvent any changes, because if you change anything on the aircraft, you're guilty until proven innocent. Folks, think about that. No matter what country you're living in, almost throughout the world, you're innocent until proven guilty. But here, we'd have to completely repeat that entire avionics certification spectrum, which avionics engineers know covers 10 life cycle phases of engineering, 71 objective, each of which costs tens of thousands of dollars. So we're looking at tens of millions of dollars per aircraft type, mm-hmm. and we could afford that. Look, if Verizon 18 t as Dan said, could come up with $80 billion, that's pocket change. But folks, it means we'd have to ground all the aircraft for 12 to 18 months while we made those changes. Mm-hmm. That's not feasible. So we need another change because there are 29,000 commercial aircraft flying in the world, okay? We, we track all of them. We know that, we know that for a fact. If we use every maintenance technician, MRO, maintenance repair organization facility, we would have a backlog of three years just to replace the avionics after we mm-hmm. certified them. So it's mm-hmm. really not an option to make a inline change on the airplane. Got it.
0: Yeah, and I think I think the press releases that I saw recently, the last couple of weeks, it said that the, the FAA was working with the airline industry to do some upgrades or some replacements. I think that article, if I'm not mistaken, said that they're starting to whittle it down to like the most important ten yeah. percent. And yeah. and so, you know, it's getting closer to that one in, in ten million that you're talking about statistically. And that and so that's good Indeed. to see there. They're definitely I think the two the two parties are working well together, it sounds like they're they're meeting weekly. With uh, the Secretary of uh, Pete Buttigieg, excuse me, Secretary of Transportation is also facilitating it. So I think it's been great to see all parties sitting out at the table. I think they literally have a phone call every day on the topic to keep pushing this forward.
1: It's heartening. Very nice to see. So often in the news, folks were entertained, you know, with the bad conflict and things. This there's a lot of good things out there in the news. They're kind of boring, maybe to some people. Mm-hmm. Not to. Dan and Wayne and I, you know, this is our bread and butter, but it's really heartening to see it work. In fact, we've seen Airbus and Boeing, fierce competitors. We've seen European Union, America, sometimes at odds, but coming together to resolve this. Mm. Much the same way we're doing things with artificial intelligence, you know, uh, multi-core computing, all the hot topics of technology today. We won't have time to get at all of those on this session, <laughs> but there, aviation is a multi-multi-billion dollar business Per week, folks. That's not annual. Per week. So where you have a lot of money, you attract a lot of smart people, and we can make solutions happen a little more rapidly. I think.
0: Right. Yeah. You know, if you go back to where this all started originally, when the FCC first started looking at the potential of making this frequency these frequencies available, that was five five or six years ago. Um, so the technical analysis on the fe- the fe- analysis on the feasibility of this has been going on for over six years, I believe. Um, I'm definitely in that ballpark. So, you know, when I look back at how did we get here and retrospectively what could have been done differently, that's really what I try to learn lessons from these events, right? You know, in my experience, when this has been done in the past, uh, where the FCC allocated new spectrum, there might have been an incumbent that had to be relocated. There may be an, an an adjacent incumbent that we had to make sure we didn't interfere with. They did a really good job of making sure that that was all identified technically and making sure that, you know, the, the new, the new folks who were going to be using that spectrum understood and, and carried um, burden, if you will, to help resolve that problem. So for example, there was a band called AWS, it's 1.9 gigahertz and 2.1 gigahertz. The incumbents were companies like the FBI and CIA using those frequencies for, you know, surveillance and things like that. And as, uh, as the new, purchasers of that spectrum, the carriers had to, they were aware of it. They understood the technical issues and they had to carry the burden of working with those agencies, with those incumbents to make sure we got them moved off and paid for resolving the issues. When I look back at this one, this is an interesting one for me because I feel like it's almost like mom and dad, the FA and the FCC were not on the same page on this one. And they didn't kind of work together to identify that well enough, and put that out up front, so that when the AT&Ts of the Verizon's of the world were looking at the spectrum and purchasing it, I feel like they didn't. It wasn't done the same way it always been done, and and so all of a sudden we got to the eleventh hour, and then everybody said, "Oh, wait a minute, we actually do have some issues that need to be resolved," and now they're resolving them after the fact. And and so I think the lesson learned from me on this one was, for whatever reason, mom and dad, the F.A. and F.C.C. just we weren't on the same page like they typically would have been in, in the past. I don't know what your perspective is on that, but I, I really feel like that's the yeah. lesson learned here.
1: It's, it's a really good point. And all of our listeners think about it. Have you ever had a home or car burglarized or heard about it? Well, you probably use that opportunity to upgrade your alarm system, right? You probably know that you should always keep backups on your computer, on your cell phone, to the cloud, wherever but you didn't quite get around to it until you lost your data, okay? Mm -hmm. So what happens? We have this new thing called COVID. Oh boy, now we have a new way of creating, yeah, vaccinations, protocols, organizations, yeah, World Health Organization, right? We have, guess what? New organizations for Homeland Security to prevent a 9-11 scenario. Well, why didn't we do that before? Well, Mm -hmm. in aviation, we have a concept called RCA, And it's not the Recording Company of America. It's the root cause analysis. So we perform root cause analysis anytime there's an anomaly. Now, anomaly is a nice way of saying crash, near miss, impact, right? Well, yeah, we're doing root cause analysis now going, okay, in the future, we need a little bit of a World Health Organization, a Homeland Security for radio frequency. We really do someone at the government level, probably the ICAO level, okay? That's the International Agency for Aviation Safety, to really look at all the avionics, all the communication, navigation. How about GPS? Oh, boy, there's a lot going on. So why don't we do that at the international level? So that's what we're Mm -hmm. going to do in the future. But meanwhile, we lost some data, and we got to Mm -hmm. install some security systems. So there we go, folks.
0: Yeah, like they say, fathers uh, uh – necessity is the father of innovation, right? So sometimes you don't know what you don't know until it, it gets in your consciousness. So that's a, that's a really good point. So, yeah, I think, th- I think you're, you've really made it clear. And, and this is kind of what I've been thinking all, all along as well as technically this isn't that hard to solve. It's, it's, it's the regulatory and the certifications and that's what's really, we got to go through the steps to make sure everything is done the right way. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Yeah. In retrospect, designing a house that's safe from the beginning is really easy Trying to erect, make straight the Leaning Tower of Pisa—it's a little difficult afterwards. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we have to have plans ahead of time. So we're going to do a lot better in the future. But boy, there's certainly some valid finger pointing on this one, huh?
0: I did I hear correctly that um, the Defense Department has already updated and and like a lot of their helicopters and a lot of their planes, they've already been had the technical solution. Um, It's really more of a commercial and private aircraft issue at this point. Is that correct?
1: It's true. The DOD, and not just America, but uh, defense in general has pretty good budgets, and they are not required to do this thing called DO-178, DO-254. My goodness, we have a lot of aviation acronyms, don't we? Well. All Americans know what a 401k is. That's a retirement savings vehicle. Well, non-Americans don't, but aviation engineers know what DL-178254 is. Those are standards, very strict building codes, if you will, for commercial aviation. That's what my my last two books are about. In fact, DL-178254, those numbers. Well, military doesn't have to adhere to that. So they have a little more flexibility, bigger budgets, and they can make things happen.
0: Got it. Got it. All right. Well, that's great. Tell me what else is going on in the uh, wireless aviation-related kind of world. Is is there more going Whoa. on that you could share with our audience?
1: There sure is. There sure is. You know, we we like Elon Musk. Elon Musk is a really cool guy, smart, pioneering the electric car, PayPal, boring company, SpaceX. Well, we got some real cool things going on with electrification. You know, electric cars 40 years ago, we've had them. My dad had an electric golf cart. That's what we thought of him, this golf cart, right? And then Elon made the Roadster. Well, today we all know that I'm actually here in Scandinavia, where they are outlawing, you bet, gasoline, diesel vehicles in just a few years. So it's going to be all electric, maybe hydrogen. We'll see some big hurdles on hydrogen. But we have certified the world's first fully electric aircraft, a company called Pipistrel in Slovenia. A great company, just bought by Textron. Very successful, all electric. Now, that's really cool. Well, What's, what's electric got to do with 5G? Whoa, oh boy, quite a bit. The way we charge, the way we use avionics, the fact that we can now fly without any hydrocarbons from point A to point B. Working with a company in Sweden called Heart Aerospace, public information. You can check them out. They're making a fully electric passenger aircraft. It won't go around the world. It won't haul 400 people, but it's a good start. It's going to haul a lot of people a good distance. And we have some really cool AI that we're doing. Artificial intelligence. We're working with a a company, non-disclosure agreements, can't go into a lot of detail, but swarming UAVs, UAVs that will communicate. Folks, that's communication, okay, across from the UAV to the mother aircraft, the father aircraft, to the ground all autonomously in a swarming type fashion. This isn't science fiction. This is better than science fiction. It's aviation. And we're driving that and it's these things are, are flying now in prototype mode. The urban air mobility is really cool. Living in downtown Los Angeles, I'm only 12 miles to the airport. Oh boy, sometimes that's two hours. Wouldn't it be nice to have a personal air? Yeah, Uber, Lyft bring me to LAX for 200 bucks. Sometimes I pay it. Well, folks, that's coming right now. We don't have enough pilots. We don't have enough aircraft. There are no unemployed aviation engineers right now. For the first time in my career, and I've been around a few decades, there's not a single aviation engineer available. Everyone is scrambling, looking for people, including us. So folks, uh Encourage your friends, yourself, kids, mom, dad. To yeah, mom and dad, grandpa, you need to go back to school. STEMs for you: <laughs> science, technology, engineering, math. Right? Yeah, go do it, folks. It's an exciting time to be doing it.
0: So let me just check. I don't, double check that that last uh, example you were talking about uh, urban. Or I don't remember what the term was you called. It's basically the yeah. Jetsons, right? Isn't like it, instead it, of it, instead of driving a car on the ground, it's a low a low low elevation aircraft that is commuting you around.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And initially, we're going to have a pilot, a licensed pilot, but eventually you'll be able to fly this yourself. And then eventually you push a button and there, folks, it's coming. Autonomous cars, autonomous aircraft. And so we're working with uh, half a dozen companies now on their eVTOL. It's called Electric Vertical Takeoff Landing Aircraft or Urban Air Mobility, if you will. But they're small, personalized. Ooh, are they aircraft? Are they helicopters? Are there airplanes? Yeah. All yes. the
0: above. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I, I, I definitely uh, sounds like you have a fun job. Uh, you get to always be on on the cutting edge of new things, but a lot of responsibility behind what you do and keeping us all safe in the air. So much appreciated. Oh, thanks.
1: We've got uh, 50 engineers at a Fusion. Every one of them is smarter than me. Because, folks, if you're hiring someone who's not smarter than you, you might want to rethink that. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That was <laughs> so we, good advice. We think they're great. Absolutely. Good advice I got from mentors back in the day as well. Surround yourself with people smarter than you. Well, listen, Vance, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast with us today. It's been great to have you. It's really good to have uh, your perspective and learn more about the topic. And I think that I think we're all kind of realizing that this issue is is going to be resolved and we've got it in good hands. It's just it's got to take time and do it the right way. Indeed. Awesome. Well, thanks now. again. Thanks again. Thanks for everybody for listening. Um, just to, to point out, we always sign off a lot of times by saying, Hey, go to, go to 5gguys.com, connect with us, ask us questions, give us show ideas. That's how Vance's team found us. They went to our, our website. They, they listened to a couple podcasts and they reached out and said, Hey, we got an expert here that would love to uh, contribute. So if, if you happen to have an idea, want to be on the show, reach out to us 5gguys.com and on social channels. Also before we go real quick, Vance, is there any way people can connect with you and your company that you want to share? We can put it in the show notes as well.
1: Oh, absolutely. In fact, we're always loving to meet new aviation friends out there. Probably one of the best ways. We've got a good website, but just find us on LinkedIn. Okay. A-F-U-Z is in zebra. A fusion.com. Follow us. Say hello to our engineers. You can learn about a, a lot of free broadcasts we do. We do, a, for example, I think next week with Intel, we're doing a... Aviation Artificial Intelligence webinar. We do these every month. They're free for our listeners, our followers, if you will. We do a lot of free trainings and we'd just love to have you. Feel free to awesome. sign up.
0: Awesome. We'll put we'll put links into the show notes. So go check that out, guys, if you want to go connect with the Fusion. And um, thanks again for joining and thanks for listening, everybody. Until next time. See you. Thanks, Will. Bye-bye.
1: Thanks for listening to The 5G Guys. For more resources and to connect with Dan and Wayne, check out their website at 5GGuys.com. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit that follow button and share this episode with your friends and family.